You know, today is a, a unique day, and I want to start. I want to start by just saying thank you to the volunteers today. I'm telling you, they have been working. We've been work. They've been working since Monday for one service today at nine o'clock. Literally every day, late till late at night. We even had two of these great guys stay the night and protect all of the stuff that's been put out. I'm telling you, there has been a tremendous amount of energy and effort put into this weekend. And I just got to ask you to give a big hand clap of applause to everybody who has worked so hard. We so appreciate it. We have some extraordinary individuals with great talent, far beyond certainly my ability and even my creative thought to put together what's happened. So we're just so honored and blessed. So once again, thanks for being here. And I want to encourage you to, to join me tomorrow morning on my Facebook page for 714 Prayer, which we do each and every day. And God is using those moments uh, to really speak life to us. He's helping us navigate the time in which we are living. And there's no, there's don't, no denying the fact we're living in unique days, aren't we? There's just no way to get around it. And so I said, I've been saying for a couple of weeks that the message today, under every normal circumstance, the Vision Sunday is unique. It, it sets the tone so off as for the year, this year's just different. And in so many respects, I would say it might be the most important, but I'll say it this way. It certainly is the most unique. I never would have thought we would be sitting here in August 23rd outside the building. What is that all about? I mean, it's just, nobody could plan this. You can't make this stuff up. But here we are. Last year at this message, <clears throat> can everybody hear me okay? I I'm, I'm kind of feel like I'm yelling and I don't want to do that because I won't have anything left if I keep doing that. Last year at this vision, vision message, here's what I said. I said this. I said that 2020, I'm excited about 2020. I'm excited about the 30th anniversary of Crossroads Church, which we're in the middle of that. And we had a celebration all planned for our 30th anniversary. Well, how'd that come off? You know, I mean, here we are. We're celebrating our 30th. How about that? We have, yeah, that's worthy. All that to say, things have just turned so uniquely. There's a, there's a television series titled This Is Us. I've never watched it, nor will I. I'm not saying it's good, bad, or indifferent. I just love the title. I just love the title, This Is Us. So what I want to do, I want to talk about This Is Us for just a moment. Kind of give you a glimpse of who we are as a church. What our vision and our mission is. And it's something that I try to do each and every year to just reinforce who we are, why we exist, what Crossroads Church is. And what I've done is I've taken some questions. The first question is, what is vision? What is vision? Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 18 says that where there is no revelation or where there is no vision, people perish or people cast off restraint. In other words, what it does, it gives us a guiding principle. It helps us know where we're moving, where we're going. The second part of that verse is really significant because the second part says this, but blessed is he who heeds wisdom's instruction. And so for me as a pastor, as your pastor, 
it's really important for me to hear from the Lord, but it's more important for me not only to hear from the Lord, but then to put into practice what I'm hearing. And the same is true for all of us. When we hear God speak through his word, put it into practice. Because there's blessing connected to that. When you heed wisdom's instruction, there's blessing. And so the second question is, why do we exist as a church? We exist to introduce people to Jesus and to help them follow him. It is as simple as that. There's no other reason for us to gather. You know, we're not a club. We're not a club, a country club. We're not a social gathering. Although there are certain aspects of social gatherings that are great. That's not the, that's not the issue. But we are here to introduce people to Jesus. So I'm going to start right now. This morning, if you have gathered here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I hope today, this is the day that you will make that decision. You will cross the threshold of faith and you will come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's why we're here, is to introduce people to Jesus. But the second part of that is to help them follow him. My desire is to help you grow in your faith. One of my favorite verses is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is, that is what we're all about, to introduce people to Jesus and to help them follow him. Well, how do we do that? How do we accomplish that? We really do it in four ways. One of them is what we're doing right now, weekend services. And those who are joining us online, thank you for joining us online. Because it is so, I'm so humbled and honored that you would be with us on this weekend that we can share Jesus. That's how we accomplish weekend services. We also do that through Growth Track. Growth Track is that mechanism that we've created to help you understand who we are, but also to identify in your life how God has uniquely designed you but he's also supernaturally gifted you of the Holy Spirit to do things that our physical talents simply aren't enough. We help you discover that in Growth Track. We also give you opportunities to serve. Well, we, other thing is life groups. That's the third component. And we're going to have an opportunity in just a few minutes to, to be a part of life groups. And, and I wanna, I'll be introducing the life group leaders to you in just a few minutes. Life groups. And then finally is the dream team. That is the aspect of how we serve. Well then, what do we do? What is the goal of all of that? Here is the goal. I want you to know God. I want you to know God. I want you to know God. There is nothing in this life more important than you knowing God. Not knowing about Him, but knowing God. And so I'm going to ask you the question, do you know God? Because I, I think I know God, but you know something? I can always grow in my knowledge of God. I want you to know God. I also want you to find freedom. My desire is that if there are life-controlling issues in your life, no matter what they are, I don't care what it is, God is able to bring freedom to your life. We want to be a church that allows you to find freedom in the name of Jesus, that you're not walking bound up by all of the things that can so easily entangle your life. So, to, so once again, to know God, to find freedom, to discover your purpose, Every one of you are uniquely designed to accomplish something in this generation for the glory of God. We need to discover that. And then also, and maybe the greatest thing of all, where everything comes together is to make a difference in the world in which we live. You and I are not just called to be here and to exist. We are called to make a difference, to change, to change the environment around us because of the presence of God in our lives. So... And why do, we, why do we talk about vision every year? 
Well, last year I gave you five reasons. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you just a few, just three. One of the reasons we talk about vision every year is because, because I imagine a church and we imagine a church that our kids and our grandkids, hear this, want to come to. That's what I imagine. Now, I'm going to just say something very, very candidly. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. No. Do we, do we strive for perfection? Yes. We aim for it, Paul says. Right now, we have an incredible group of volunteers over here taking care of kids. But they're doing more than taking care of kids. They're teaching them about Jesus Christ. They're, they're allowing them to see the presence of God in people's lives to make a difference. I want my grandkids, and I have grandkids here in this church. I want them to love this church. I want them to love this place more than any place they go. And that is, we're determined to see that occur. Not just for kids, but also for students. Adam and Amanda Sullivan served us so well for nine years, and they are right now doing ministry in Washington as lead pastors of a great church in Sultan, Washington. We're proud of them. We're proud of them. And so in this process of transition, I've been praying and asking God, God help us, and God has raised up two wonderful leaders right among us that I'm introducing to you this morning who are going to be our directors of student ministries. So would Jacob and Janessa Hoffman join me on stage real fast? Come here, come on. Come on, give them a hand. Come on. Give it up. Come here, you guys. Going to back this up a minute. We're going to get right out in the sunshine where everybody can see you. Get right out here. Come on. I know, I know. You know something? Here's what's so cool about this. Jake, how, how long have you been attending Crossroads Church? Man, since I was like four. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> so he is a product. Here's, here's what I want you to hear. He is a product of children's ministries right over there. Yeah. Come on. He's a product of exactly what we're talking about. And God has raised him up for this moment. Janessa, how long have you been a part of Crossroads Church? Five years. Okay. So now, student ministries, the flop. Young adult ministries here are products of what God has been doing at Crossroads Church for decades, for 30 years. And I could not be more excited about having these precious, these precious kids <laughs> join us on staff. So give us 30 seconds, yeah. just a greeting and a hello. How about that? Hey, everybody. As Pastor Gary said, my name is Jacob Hoffman. Um, we're so excited to have this opportunity. I truly can't express it enough. Um, I know I sound monotone, but I really mean it. <laughs> um, yeah, we already, we already have a relationship with a lot of your students, and we're so grateful to be able to build upon that. Um, our, our goal, as Pastor Gary said, is to introduce students to Jesus and to help them follow him. Um, but our goal also is to really be able to come alongside each of the parents out there, um, just to be support in any way that we can. We want to be available for anybody in the family, not just the students alone, though that is our focus. Um, so yeah, we're just so, so excited to be able to have this opportunity. Amen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> 
my name is Janessa again, and uh, we are so honored to be a part of such an amazing church with all of you and staff and a youth team. We just absolutely love our students, and we've been serving in youth for the past few years, and we are just so excited to keep ministering to your students um, at a higher capacity. Outstanding. You know something, guys? I want to do this very quickly. I want you to stretch out your hand, and I'm going to pray for him. In the name of Jesus, I pray your blessing upon Jacob and Janessa and everything they put their hand to do. I pray for success and blessing. I pray for the favor of God to rest upon them. And most importantly, I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to overwhelm them in the name of Jesus and to lead our students into new places for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. Give them a hand. Come on. Big hand. Big hand. So we imagine a church that our children and our students love to attend. We also talk about vision because we want to be a church that our friends love to attend. Our friends love to attend. And thirdly, listen to this, because we love Christ and the world that he died for. Well, I want to say that again. And yes, I am baiting you for an, I'm baiting you for an amen. So just get ready. We talk about vision because there are people who are lost that need Jesus. And that's why we're here. I cannot, nor can our staff do it alone, but all of us together, we can make the, an incredible impact in the Temecula Murrieta Valley and beyond. So what are the practical outcomes? This is the last question. The practical outcomes, some years ago, God, I was, I'm, a, I'm a very linear thinker. Uh, don't, don't fault me for that. That's just the way I am. Uh, I, I can't put three before number one. I just can't do it. Some of you, you're good with that. You know, you can take number 12 and throw that to the, I can't do that. I have to be one, two, three, four, five. That's just the way I am. And in that, God, I think, just put something in my heart I wasn't expecting. I was reading in the book of Acts, and we'll read this passage later, that God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I just, I asked this question of the Lord in my prayer time. I said, God, could that happen for us? And that really became the formation of something I wasn't expecting. Out of that came these following seven numbers. One, ten, one hundred, one thousand, ten thousand, one hundred thousand, one million. You notice that they're in sequence. Linear thinker, there I am. One, I'm believing for our church to see one person come to faith every day during the course of a year. I'm believing for us over the next 10 years to plant 10 churches. And I want to tell you, this last year, here's what we saw happen. We released Long Beach to be a completely sovereign, self-governing church, now on their own, self-sustaining, self-supporting. That's one of the 10. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There was another one. His name is, I think you know these guys, Enoch and Myrna Villarreal planted Journey Church in Fullerton. And I want to tell you something, they are killing it. God is doing extraordinary. That's number two. There's two. We had another church this past year, Kyle and Brittany Papano, Legacy Church in Tustin, California. And they are killing it. They planted a church in the middle of COVID-19. And God is blessing them. That's three. We have seven more. I believe we can exceed that. 
That's the practical way in the church. 100 baptisms. I believe for 100 people a year to be baptized. 100 life groups. 100 prayer partners. You see how I got my pray first wristband on. I need, to, I need prayers. We need prayers as a church. Well, next is also the baptisms. Also, baptisms right on the horizon. Sign up if you haven't been baptized. 1,000 is an attendance goal. To see 1,000 in regular attendance at Crosswoods, 10,000 is influence. How we influence people where you walk, where you work, on social media, no matter what it might be, you can influence people for Christ. 100,000 is resources. It, it, we just have to understand that it requires resources to do that which God has called us to do. 100,000, what does that mean? $100,000 a month is basically $25,000 a week. It's a $1.1 million budget. We're not there yet. We're about 60% of that where we are at this point, approximately. But I have to be perfectly honest. Right now, COVID-19 has affected our finances. It's just important for you to hear the truth. We trimmed our budget, which our budget was already extraordinarily tight. But we trimmed it another $10,000 per month just to respond to COVID. But our finances are still challenged. And I'm asking you, Continue to be faithful with your tithing and your offerings. Ministry continues even in the midst of the crisis that we're in. So thank you in advance. And then the one million is to believe, is to believe over the next 10 years that we can be giving a million dollars to missions every year. This is not original to me. This goes back to Ted and Tammy Miller when they were pastoring the church. It was in Ted's, Ted's vision message for missions. So we're following in that, we're following in the footsteps. We're building upon shoulders of leaders before us. And we can do this. We can see God do this. I'm going to say it again until I get everybody to say amen. We can do this. This can happen. You say, Gary, you crazy talk. Nothing is crazy when you put it to the Lord by faith and you believe in the people that God is raising up to accomplish his vision for his glory. We can do this together. And I'm believing for that in the years to come. Well, that's kind of the, the overall. That's us. This is us. All right. COVID-19 hit. And there's been some extraordinary things that have happened. 5.47 million people in the United States have contracted COVID. 171,000 people have perished because of it. 14% unemployment. Let me tell you something. We're in the middle of a crisis. It has affected the church unlike anything that I have ever seen in my lifetime. Your lifetime too. These are unprecedented, unique days. Yelp reported, Yelp reported that 15,000 businesses Close their doors forever in the last six months. Let me tell you something. That's challenging. Those are grave, those are grave statistics. On March 8th of this year, we had our last quote-unquote normal service. We dedicated a, a beautiful little baby that day. And Friday of that week, we were done. There was an order to shut down everything. Since that time, it has been challenging. It's been hard. 
I've had people ask me questions continuously. What is the church going to do? How are you responding? What's next? Uh, what, what, the, what about this? What about that? And you know, to be honest, I don't have every answer. I wish I, I wish I knew. I wish I could see, okay, that's step one, that's step two. I like that linear thinking right now, but it ain't there. Because literally, things have changed so fast that we've had to pivot almost by the minute. But I'm grateful that God has helped us. But there are struggles and challenges and heartaches and loss and hurt and unrest. And there's been terms such as new normal, social distancing, stay at home, non-essential, and a host of other catchphrases that frankly I'm just tired of hearing. Can I get a good amen on that? I'm tired of it, as I know you are too. So here we are on Vision Sunday. I said these past few weeks that this is uh, the most important. It certainly is the most unique. And early in this, early in this crisis, this pandemic, I took issue with the, with the phrase new normal. I don't like it. And I want everybody to hear me who is here. I don't like that phrase and everybody online. I don't like that phrase. Because here's what it assumes. It assumes that we have to settle for, give in to, acquiesce to things that the prevailing culture deems proper. Do you hear me? The prevailing culture does not dictate what the church of Jesus Christ is or will do. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are not building a church. Jesus is building his church. And we need to keep that in focus. I have to keep that in focus. Then, just a few weeks ago, our governor, Governor Newsom, and I want you to know something. I pray for Governor Newsom every day. Do I agree with everything Governor Newsom says and does? No. I don't agree with everything that President Trump does or says, but I pray for him every day. And I'm challenging you right now, pray for our leaders every day, whether you agree with them or not. You stand with them in prayer and you put them before the Lord because, hear me, the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. We commit them to Jesus. Come on now. That's our responsibility as the people of God. But he said something very troubling. He said, I'm looking at a, ready for this? A modified normal. I don't know what that means, but I don't like it. But yet, I want you to know this. In the midst of all of this, the church will thrive. Nothing will stop the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing. No one, Washington, D.C., Sacramento, California, and everywhere in between will not stop the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church will be built and the church will thrive. And Crossroads Church will be built and it will thrive. And it is important for us to keep that in focus. So I adopted this phrase. I am believing for Church 2.1. Now what does that mean? Crossroads Church 2.1. Now, I am, I am not a computer guy, all right? So don't even say, oh, this is going to be interesting. He's going to show his prowess in computer stuff. No, I have none. Zero. 
I am a user. I am not an understander. But hear me. Here's what I know. When I upgrade my software, it does not destroy everything that's there, does it? It overwrites, it fixes, it changes, it updates. So in other words, it makes it faster, makes it better, makes it cleaner. Okay, you get it? You see where I'm going? Crossroads Church is a great church. We don't need to tear everything down. We don't need to tear much down, virtually anything. But you know something? We can always get better. We can always improve. We can make our systems better. We can make what we do on a weekend better. So that's really what I am thinking we are becoming in this time of pivot and change. So if you've got your notes, maybe you're joining us online and you have, you're open to version. I want you to look at this passage of Scripture with me from 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Early in this process of preparation, and I don't have my watch today, so you guys are in serious trouble. Oh, there's the time right there. I'm great. Okay, good. We still got 145 minutes. We're fine. No worries. I'm teasing. I'm te- I'm te- I was thinking this morning, I got to take a little break here. A little take, take a deep breath, find the scripture. I was thinking, I'm going to do a four-week series in 40 minutes. Can I just tell you this? That's not possible. So we're going to be here about four hours. So I, I'm teasing. We're not going to do that. But I hope you're there. Second Corinthians chapter 4. All right, look at it with me. Paul writes, we are hard-pressed on every side, but, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? Eternal. Eternal. Father, thank you for these times together. Speak life to us through these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. This second letter that Paul wrote to Corinth encouraged the believers. He challenged, the te- he challenged false teachers, and he reprimanded those who needed to be corrected. That's what the, that's what the story is. In fact, one, one person said it this way. The passage of Scripture I just read is the New Testament's most complete, most developed theology of Christian suffering. And that is really striking as it applies to today. Are we suffering as a church? No. Not in comparison to what our brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing. No. So I want to say, first of all, we're not in a place of suffering. We are in a place of challenge. We are in a place that is unique to these days. And simply we need to acknowledge that. But listen to, what, listen to this. Listen to how Paul does this. It's just masterful. He says this. He says, we are hard-pressed, perplexed, and excuse me, we are hard-pressed, pressed, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. Now, if you just took those words, you'd go, man, we are messed up. You are messed up. I am messed up if we just stop there. But get this. 
Paul then says this. Oh, let me just ask. You ever felt that way? You ever felt hard-pressed, perplexed? You know, yeah, I think we all have. But look at this. His answers are this. <clears throat> we are not crushed, not in despair, not abandoned, and not destroyed. So in the middle of all of this stuff, there's the not factor. And we need to understand that as the people of God. And then his therefore statement is just awesome. Therefore, we do not lose heart. And let me stop right now because I've had so many conversations and emails and I've had so many different opportunities to interact with people and I will tell you what I have sensed is that people are losing heart. But I am telling you, people of God, people of Crossroads Church, everyone who is joining us online, Paul says no matter what may be happening around us, we as the people of God, therefore, do not lose heart. Why? Because Jesus is the one who is leading us and our trust and confidence is in him. We need to keep that in focus. And then Paul says, look, the obvious is this. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Okay, I get that. I don't look the same as I did when I was 30 years old. And you go, no, really? No, really, honestly. I don't, neither do you. Or you don't look like you did when you were eight. We continue to grow, we continue to progress, and then as we get a little bit older, we just kind of see how this whole thing is changing. But Paul says, well, that's obvious, and he's, he's, he gets it. Here's what he says. Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. So I'm going to ask you, even in the midst of all of the perplexing, hard-pressed, and all of this stuff, are you being renewed day by day? Are you individually thriving in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Because I'm going to tell you, we don't know what the days ahead may hold. And until we have an absolute pathway in our own life on how we can thrive individually, we can easily flip those two and we can waste away on the inside, not just on the outside, if we're not pushing our life of faith forward. Well, then Paul says that these things that we're experiencing, they're light and they're momentary. And you're going, oh, please let that be so in Jesus' name. And then he says this. He says, because what is eternal so far outweighs what is temporary. And I want you to know everything that we're experiencing right now, and everybody look this way for just one minute, everything that we're experiencing right now is temporary. It is gonna go away, and even if it does not go away in this life, we will step from this life into the, per into the eternal presence of Jesus Christ, and we will see glory. Keep your eyes. What does Paul say? Fixed on the eternal, not the temporary. Praise God. So whatever we long for and expect in the future inevitably determines the way that we live in the present. Did you hear that? One more time. Whatever we long for and expect in the future eventually, inevitably rather, determines how we live in the present. I want to give you four things this morning. Four ways to live in the present that factor in who we are as a church and where we need to go this year. Number one, faith or fear? Which one wins? Which one wins? 
Faith or fear? There was an elderly grandfather. He was having a conversation with his grandson. And the grandpa said this. He said, listen, son. He says, there's a battle going on in your mind. He says, really, one of, one of the sides is good and one of the sides is evil. He says, you can look at them like they're wolves. You have a wolf that is evil and you have a wolf that is good. The grandson looked at him and says, okay, grandpa, that's fine. He says, but which one wins? Which one wins? And the grandpa in his wisdom said this, the one you feed. The one you feed. And some of you that I am looking at right now, some of you online right now, you have been feeding the wolf of fear. And it is destroying you. It is eating you up from the inside out. What Paul said, we might be wasting away on the outside, but inside we are being renewed day by day. And I will tell you this absolutely without hesitation. If you are feeding fear, you have flipped the switch and you are eroding everything that God has done on the inside of you. Is faith or fear which one wins? We dare not. We dare not give in to faith. And there's a story in the Old Testament that I love and I can't take as much time with it as I would like to. I can't take as much time with anything today that I'd like to. But it's the story of David and Goliath, and we sang about it in a moment, a moment ago, about we're going to see a victory. Remember that song? And it says this, we know how the story ends. You know how the story ends. But there's a victory here. The children, the, the people of Israel, the armies of Israel saw it gathered against the Philistines, and they kept sending out this giant named Goliath. And he was an intimidating guy. And he would taunt them. He would just lay it on them. And here's what we read. Nobody would fight him. And the, and the challenge was, as you know, you send out your champion, our champion, whoever wins, you're going to serve. That's the way it works. So here's what we read. 1 Samuel 17. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, those taunts, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Listen to this. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. So I'm going to say it again. New normal, social distance, non-essential. Those are the things that are being, they're being thrown at us by the Goliaths that are present in our world. And I will tell you, we're, do not give in to the fear and the intimidation that comes from comments just like that. Israel did. They ran away in fright. They were afraid. They were feeding the wolf of fear. You, so I would just say fear is, fear is real. Fear is real. But it doesn't have to be the wolf that we feed. Because faith is an imperative. Fa fear is real, but faith is an imperative. And so what we see is we see this young guy, a little shepherd boy. He, in fact, he's even described as being ruddy, which I'm not exactly sure what that means. But he was ruddy. All right. So here's what we read. David goes up against Goliath. And Saul said, are you kidding me? You, him, this is a, I think Saul even said this is a mismatch. There's no chance this is ever going to turn out good. Here's what we read when David faces down Saul. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on now, are you ready? Because an amen is going to come. If I don't get it, you got to get an amen on this. Here we go. 
Goliath walked out toward David with the shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt. And I want to tell you something, fear will sneer at you in contempt when you try to stand on faith, believing. You will be oppressed. You are hard-pressed on every side. You will be perplexed because of everything that's happening. That's exactly what we see. We see the intimidation of a giant in front of David. Listen. Sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared, that you come and, at, with, at, with me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Now get ready for some amens. Here we go. David replied to the Philistine, you come, you come to me with sword, spear and javelin but i come to you in the name of the lord of heaven's armies the god of the armies of israel whom you have defied today the lord will conquer you you hear that today the lord will conquer you and i will kill you and i will cut off your head and then i will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a god in israel and everyone assembled here will know that the lord rescues his people not with the sword and the spear this is the lord's battle and he will give you to us hallelujah hallelujah it is time hear me and look at me it is time for you to cut off the head of fear and begin to live and walk in faith. This isn't just faith about what we can do as a church. This is faith for you and your family. It's faith for you and your neighbors. It's faith for you at business. It's faith to stand firm when the onslaught of this world and the prevailing culture just presses against us. You are hard-pressed. You're perplexed. I get it. But fear will not win. I choose, and we should choose faith. Feed your faith, not your fear. The second way is it crisis or calm, which will it be? Crisis or calm, which will it be? Paul uses the word not six times in this short passage of Scripture. And I would... A leader that I follow, I read him virtually every day. Here's what he said. He said, crisis is an accelerator. So when something happens like what we're experiencing, everything around us speeds up. It ramps up. Our responses to that also have to ramp up. We cannot stay the same and do what we've always done because when we do, we get what we've always gotten. We have to change. We've got to pivot. We've got to become more aggressive with certain things in our lives. Oswald Chambers, great man, early 20th century. This is what he wrote. He said, it is in a crisis that we instantly reveal upon whom we rely. We, it, it instantly reveals upon whom we rely in a crisis. I would just ask, upon whom are you relying? I'm telling you, I, I, as I said a moment ago, I pray for our national and state and local leaders every day. But they're not the answer. Okay? 
I'm not relying upon them more than I should. My reliance is on God and on God alone. In the middle of a crisis, he has to be the one upon whom we trust. His confidence. Two years ago, I shared at this message some, some thoughts from a man by the name of John S. Dickerson in a book entitled Hope for Nations. And John shared some things that as the people of God, there are nine things that we should do as we face this very post-Christian environment in which we live. Very quickly, listen to them carefully. We will remain rooted to the Christian scriptures. We will train our young. We will be known for doing good. We will dignify all people. Hear this carefully. We will dignify all people as the image bearers of God. We will be ambassadors. We will love our persecutors. We will remain calm. We will be invincible. And we will be fearless. I read that again in the midst of everything that we're... John Dickerson, two years ago, was prophetic. Because now we are having to deal with these very issues. If you don't know it, our streets are on fire. Do we know it? We have crisis in our streets unlike anything that we have seen for decades. It's accelerating. It's picking up speed. It creates more fear. It pushes our faith aside. So these declarations become even more important, and we have to ramp them up. How can we accelerate these? And so there are two things that in this coming year, the remainder of 2020 and 2021, we've got to push, we've got to put the pedal down and push harder than we've ever pushed before. Always keeping in mind the filter by which we do everything to introduce people to Jesus and to help them follow him. If we pour into that and it does not come out on the other end, there's no point in us doing it. Do you hear me? There's no point. Because that's why we're here. Two things. We have got to become more compassionate than we already are. You say, Gary, what do you mean? I'm grateful for all of the opportunities we have to show compassion. And I'm so grateful for Chuck and Terry Kime. Chuck and Terry, I want you to stand up. Come on, stand up. They lead. Come on, give them a big hand. They lead Circle of Care three days a week. Now, I want you to hear what I'm going to say. We're assisting between two and 300 families every day. Do you hear that? Every day. And people in this parking lot are expressing their fear because they don't know what's going to happen next. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. Church of Jesus Christ that meets at crossroads. We've got to come alongside circle of care greater than we have ever come alongside them before in resources and in volunteers. And I am calling you out today. If you have time to volunteer, it is time to get to circle of care and drive some vans, pack some boxes, pray with some people because they've got a prayer tent set up every day to pray for people's needs. We've got to take a greater lead in assisting what God has raised up. Amen? 
Convoy of Hope is one of those agencies that we work significantly alongside. Convoy is feeding 300,000 children a day. They had a 1 million meal, a 10 million meal challenge that went out when this whole thing started. I want you to know they've eclipsed that 10 million meal challenge. But there are so many people that need help. If you are a Feed One member, I want you to be faithful with your Feed One commitments because you are making a difference in the lives of children. If you don't know what that is, go to convoyofhope.org and you can learn about it and be a part of Feed One. We give, this past year, we gave $7,000 to help feed children around the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But we've got to amp up what we do with Convoy of Hope. Grief share. I want Danette to stand in the back. Danette, come on, stand up. Danette Kisler, come on. This is a dear, dear friend and a partner of Crossroads Church. Thank you. Danette, with a great team of people, lead grief share. There are people who are hurting and you, if you know someone who is hurting, you got to point them there because this will show compassion of Jesus to those who are in the midst of very difficult moments. Jeff, where are you? Jeff Lathine. Jeff and Carol, stand up. Come on, stand up. Royal Family Kids, right here. Larry and Tina are not here today, but thank you. You guys lead Royal Family Kids. And I want to tell you something. We've got to be more aggressive We've got to come alongside them more than we've ever come alongside them. Why? Because we have children who are in the midst of difficulty. You say, Gary, we've been doing this for years, so what's the big deal? No, 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 no. Crisis is an accelerator. So that means we've got to put the pedal to the metal. We've got to be more aggressive. We can't sit back because we've always done it. You know, they've got it covered. They don't really need my help. That is an absolute untruth. They need us more than ever. Well, let me go on. I got more. This one hurts my heart. And it should break every one of our hearts. Sex trafficking in our community is happening. It is in our backyard. Are you ready for this? It's a $150 billion industry of stealing children from their parents and selling them as slaves. Come on! That is pure evil. And as a church, we've got to take a stand and say, no more. And we will do everything that we can as a church, starting right now, to make a difference in that particular terrible evil. Come on, we've got to do this. We don't have an option. We don't have an option. Do you want your grandkids sold? Do you want your children trafficked? Of course not. I don't want anyone's child trafficked for any reason, but I want them to learn of Jesus and to know his love and his grace and his goodness. We can do this. One more. And I've just called this, I have struggled with this phrase, and so it may not be complete, and it may not be as good as I would hope it would be, but I've just called the phrase pro-life. And here's what I mean. Listen carefully. I'm going to read what I wrote rather than do it off the cuff. We as a church must be pro-life to a greater degree than we've ever been before. Whether it's in the womb, whether it's in our cities, regardless of ethnicity, social status, wherever and whomever, we must be advocates for life. 
One more time. We must be advocates for life. Every, every person on this planet is created in the image of God. We have a responsibility before God to honor them in every way we possibly can. They are to be valued. They are to be treated with dignity. And they are to be treated justly. Can I get an amen? I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it this way. George Floyd was not treated justly. That is wrong. That is evil. That needs to be stopped once and for all. But every life is important to God because we are all created in his image. And they deserve, every person deserves dignity, honor, and to be treated justly. Listen to what Isaiah wrote. And just so you know, I am, I am seeking God's direction as to what that means and how that's fleshed out. So would you pray with me? Because we have some serious decisions that we have to make as how we move forward. Isaiah 58. If you, I'm telling you, I love this passage of Scripture. If you put an end to oppression, to every gesture of contempt, and to every evil word, if you give food to the hungry and satisfy those who are in need, then the darkness around you will turn to the brightness of noon. And I will always guide you and satisfy you with good things. I will keep you strong and well. You will be like a garden that has plenty of water, like a spring, like a spring of water that never grows dry. Your people will rebuild what has long been in ruins, building again on the old foundations. You will be known as the people who rebuilt the walls and who restored ruined houses. That's my prayer. Compassion. The second thing you say, my goodness, Gary, you're going long. Yeah, I am. Hang on, hang with me, okay? Will you do that? Okay, I didn't get some agreement over there. I gotta look over here. You guys all right over there? All right, let me go over here. You guys all right over here? All right, good, good. <laughs> the second one is prayer. The second is prayer. I'm gonna just say it simply. We have got to pray like we've never prayed before, church. Would you join with me in prayer tomorrow morning? Even if you can't join me on my Facebook page at 714, will you just get up and pray at 714, please? If you can't do it tomorrow morning, do it tomorrow afternoon at 714. Pray continually, pray through the day. We have to be people of prayer. Hosea chapter 10 and verse number 12 says, for now is the time to seek the Lord. If there's ever a time in our history that we must seek God, it is now. We have to be aggressive in our calm with compassion and with prayer. Will you pray with me? 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 Will you pray? Will you pray? Come on, will you pray? 
If you'll pray, put up your hands right now. Pray in Jesus' name. Cause a revival of prayer within us as the people of God, unlike anything we've ever seen. Jesus' name, let it be so. Amen. And for your glory, Lord, we will express calm through God-honoring action, compassion, and prayer. So crisis or calm, which will it be? Which will it be? Which is most? It's calm. Number three, and I promise the next two are much more quick than the first two. Number three, confinement or connection. Which is most important? Here I want you to, I want this to be very clear. This stay-at-home thing, the shelter, what do you want to call it? It's really been challenging, hasn't it? I, don't, I use the word confinement. I don't mean, because there have been some good things that have come out of it. I get that. And I just, so you know, Marcy, where are you, honey? There she is. You're in the back. We still like each other, even though we've been stuck together for all these months. So that's, I think that's a good thing. It is a good thing. But it's been challenging. And they've got even commercials highlighting. We don't know which day it is. You know, I mean, it, we get it. But how do we, how do we combat this? It's through connections. And it is so important to understand how vital our connections are. So we're going to do monthly outdoor services like we're doing until we have the opportunity to gather again as whatever you call normal. We're going to do this. So I hope that that'll be a, a point of connection. We're going to do drive up and drive through different environments or different events like we did yesterday for the ladies. There were about 35 or so ladies who gathered yesterday in a parking lot. That worked. They had an opportunity to just share and pray and be together. Drive up and drive through events. Baptism next month at the beach. But here is the biggest thing that I believe that we, that God is calling us to. I want you to turn around for me real quick. Just so you're sitting and look what's behind you. What is that? What is that? Call out. What is this thing? Building. Building. What, what do we call it? We call it a church, don't we? Hear me. That is not the church. This is the church. You are the church. Don't, mis don't, don't mistake one for the other. You are the church. And whenever, look at me and listen to me, wherever and whenever you meet with others, the church is in session. The church is gathering. So life group leaders, wherever you are, I want you to stand. Stand up life group leaders all across the room, our, our parking lot, whatever it is. Okay. All right, look around, everybody. Now, here's the way this works. You guys can sit down now. At the end of our time together, I'm going to ask the life group leaders to be back in the shaded area. And it is time and I want everybody, I know I'm talking like, like sometimes I would talk to my teenagers and I don't want to do that. So that's not what I'm trying to do. But look this way with me. If you are not in a life group, it is time for you to be in a life group. It is not an option. It is mandatory. You say, Gary, you can't do that. You're our pastor. I know, but I'm doing it. Why? Because confinement is not how we were designed to live. We were designed not to live in isolation, but to be connected. You've got to connect with somebody. You say, well, I can do it on my own. No, you can't. 
You can't. Because you get hard-pressed and you're perplexed and you're pushed. You feel like everything is closing in and you have no way. You cannot do it on your own. That is a lie of the enemy telling you that you can. You can't. I can't. I need connections and so do each of us. You can read later Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, where they gathered together at the temple courts and they met together in homes. So I am believing in this next year that we will have not Crossroads Church in one location, but Crossroads Church in a hundred locations. Wherever you meet, I want you right now to think of ways, how can I open up my driveway? How can I open up my backyard so that the church can meet? You can do this. Talk to Starla, she'll help you. But be a part of a life group. Get into a life group immediately. Do not wait. Confinement or connection, which is most important? It's connection. And finally, obstacles or opportunities. Which will, which will we make the most of? Can I just yell at, I'm just gonna talk about the elephant in the parking lot, okay? You say there isn't one. Now, we all know what that little statement means. There's an elephant here, and it has become an obstacle to us. It's called COVID. We don't know all that it means and where it will all lead. But I believe God is up to something the likes of which we've never seen. I I hope you heard that. I believe God is up to something the likes of which we've never seen. When we don't think God is working, God's working. Can I get a good amen? I need to get a better amen than that. When we don't see it, God's still at work. This is no issue to God. Zero. And I believe the church will thrive and can thrive. I believe that we are on the verge of the greatest spiritual awakening that this country has ever seen before the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to be a part of that, and I believe that you do too. So I'm going to just put the challenge out to you. Some of you in this room need to step up and start serving. You need to open up your home for a life group. You need to get in a life group. You need to be a part of Circle of Care. You need to figure out how I can pray. I need to figure out how to get out of my comfort zone and do what God is calling me to do. No longer should COVID be an obstacle. Let us look at it as an opportunity. I believe God can use us in unprecedented ways. You see, I believe the obstacles are paving a way for the unprecedented opportunities for Crossroads 2.1. Zoom is one way to look at it. Next week, we begin Growth Track online. So it's available. Life groups can be online. I'm calling though, be a life group. Be gathered together. Use the church parking lot. I don't care. Use, use a parking lot. Use the backyard. Use your driveway. Let the church gather and meet. This obstacle of COVID has driven us to improve our live stream. And I just want to say thank you to our tech team. These guys have done such an incredible job. And I'm telling you, we're getting better and better and better. And I'm so grateful. Join us. Join us online when we're not gathered in person. And hear me, not only join us online, but hear me carefully. Share it with someone. 
This isn't about me. This isn't about us. This is about accomplishing why God has called us to be who we are, to introduce people to Jesus and to help them follow him. The obstacle provides an opportunity. First Chronicles chapter 4. This is the prayer of Jabez. And it just, here's how I pray it every day. Lord, bless us. Bless us again and again and again. Enlarge our territory and keep us safe from harm. That's how I pray that prayer over us each day. That God would bless again and again and he would enlarge our territories. I believe that God has given us an opportunity in front of us. But again, the question is, which will we make the most of? The obstacles or the opportunities? Paul says it this way, making the most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of every opportunity, using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Let us make the most of our opportunities as they present themselves to us. Really, there are three things that I've talked about today. Ready? Compassion, prayer, and connection, life groups. Those are the three things. You say, well, Gary, how can we do it? Well, you've heard how we can do it, but now it takes the commitment of each of us to see it occur. So I'm calling you to that commitment. So if you would be so kind as to take your communion pods, whatever they are, whatever they're called, we're gonna take communion together as our way of just dedicating this moment to the Lord. So as you open the top, there's two pieces to it as you've done it before. The wafer is on top. So if you'd pull the wafer out. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take it and eat it for this is my body which is broken for you. COVID, look, carefully hear me, COVID has broken some of us in ways that we never thought we could be broken. We don't have to live that way. Jesus took upon himself our brokenness so we could be whole. The Apostle Paul was very clear when he said this, when we take the bread and we drink the cup, we need to do so in a way that honors him, that is worthy. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Jesus, we come before you this morning. Forgive us for those things that do not honor you. And maybe there's one here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior. I pray, Lord, they would cross that threshold of faith today. Declare you as Savior and Lord of their life. Ask to be forgiven of sin. And Lord, a, a promise to follow you from this moment forward. For everyone online, I pray the same. Coming to faith in Christ is the best decision you can ever make. So Lord, we honor you today. Forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness as we take this bread together in your honor. Let us take it together, please. Open up the, the next part of the pod. Do not squeeze it or you'll get a surprise, okay? You don't want that surprise, all right? After supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink this, drink all of it, for this is my blood which is poured out for you. Do this every time and remember me. So as we take this cup today, we remember his life, his teaching, 
his suffering and his sacrifice. We also remember that Jesus is not in the tomb this morning. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. And it points to the day when he comes to receive us to himself. So, Father, thank you for your blood shed on Calvary. We give you thanks and we give you praise for your sacrifice for sin. Today we take this cup with gratitude for providing for us the once and for all sacrifice for sin. We receive it in Jesus' name. Let us take the cup together. I'm going to ask the prayer team if they're going to come and gather under the prayer tents. And we're going to go into a song of worship. And I want you to just spend these moments. I have one final thought that I'll share in just a moment. But let us spend these moments just reflecting as we come to the altar. And if you have a need today, let them pray for you. But here's how we're going to do prayer. We're going to do it at a distance. We want you to be comfortable. We don't want you to feel as if there is anything whatsoever that might compromise where you are. I understand that. It just It's kind of at arm's length. But you know something? God can speak, can't he? God can minister even at that moment. We're believing for that. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we worship this morning. Oh, come to the altar. Let's do just that. And even if, and I want to encourage you, if you have a need, come and pray. Or pray where you are, but let's worship for these moments together before we go.